What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about Strava Craft Coffee. You guys know about Strava. It is the rich, smooth, delicious CBD-infused coffee that they sell in K-Cups, Keurig, Whole Bean, or Ground. Guys, they have it all at Strava, and their coffee is so delicious. And, of course, the great benefits of CBD that come with Strava Craft Coffee are all packed in there. CBD helps with uh, headaches, migraines, aches, pains, anything that's going on with your body. CBD helps relax that, including the coffee jitters that some people get. So make sure to check out Strava Craft Coffee and use the code DNVR20 for 20% off your purchase. That's code DNVR20. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show. Welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this gloomy Monday, but there's nothing gloomy about this podcast. And before we hop in, I got to tell you guys about MSU Denver Online. And MSU Denver puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. Guys, one of the awesome things about MSU Denver Online is anyone listening to this podcast can take advantage of it. Whether it's continuing your education, finishing that degree, or starting one, you guys can all take advantage of this. So go to msudenver.edu slash online to scope out all they have to offer, including over 40 online hybrid programs and 750 classes. So guys, let's go get learned up and let's check out MSU Denver to make sure that we never say learned up again so check them out at msudenver.edu slash online mace how you doing today i'm doing very well i prefer the term expand your intellectual and educational horizons rather than just learned up (laughs) (laughs) it sounds like uh you have your degree already uh with with that vocabulary i could always stand to learn a little more that's the beauty of a msu denver i mean you can take courses there at at any age it's never too late to allow your mind to grow to pick up something new to become more educated yep you're you're a hundred percent right and mace we got to start off this monday with right my boy, Mace. <laughs> Mace, man, it is uh, gloomy in the Mile High City, but only today's sunshine supposed to be tomorrow. But we're here to bring sunshine to you guys. And of course, we broke down. Oh, well, first, first, I got to ask about the new member of the family, Mace. Oh, yes. Uh, got a new puppy over the weekend in the house. Name of Ruby. She is a Cavapoo or a Cavadoodle, depends on what you want to call it, whatever your nomenclature is. It's a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel and a Poodle mixed together. Doesn't quite shed as much as a traditional Cavalier. Uh, Ruby is, uh, she was born on March 1st, so she's about uh, nine weeks old now. And um, now we're figuring out how to train her. I mean, we've trained other dogs before, so we know how to do it. But uh, 
Yeah, she's in a very a very needy stage at this point. <laughs> she's sleeping in a crate, but needs to go out at say three thirty, four thirty in the morning. Yeah. Some nights my wife will do it. Some nights I'll do it. And uh, so if I'm a little sleep, if I'm a little sleepless at times, uh, that's the reason why. But um, <laughs> it may yeah, it may be cloudy, it may be gloomy, but uh, Ruby is a, a light of sunshine. And I think once our older dog Rupert adjusts to having another dog he's going to be happy right now he's kind of in the what the blank did you do man? <laughs> gave me those looks although when ruby first came in he we were actually uh, out uh, running some errands yesterday and so we weren't here when my wife came back with the new puppy so we get back from running the errands rupert has been in the car with us and he quickly dashes up to Ruby and kind of sniffs her and they start getting to know her. But then about 20 minutes later, you can just see the the look on his face like, man, what's going on here? (laughs) He's like, Mace, what are you doing to me? (laughs) Yeah. So he's just going to have to adjust. But part of the reason we got the puppy right now was because in the wake of the death of our older dog, George Rupert was kind of lonely. So figure once we get past kind of the adjustment period, it'll be a, it'll be better he'll be better off he'll be happy and by the way you talked about the weather earlier i have to unleash this old dad joke <laughs> if april showers bring may flowers what do what do may flowers bring what pilgrims <laughs> even though it's a may shower today i don't know what may showers bring but I know <laughs> flowers bring pilgrims <laughs> so june are we expecting some pilgrims uh, maybe <laughs> maybe well, maybe by maybe by then if everything goes right people will be, will be making their pilgrimage to the dnvr bar perhaps. oh yes exactly boy that's the pilgrimage i love to talk about and mace we talked about the broncos schedule uh at the end of last week of course got live reactions from all of us when that came down but let's take a look at the AFC West, the rest of the division schedule, just to see how tough or easy those teams have it. So, Mace, where do you want to start? Let's start at the bottom. Let's start with the Los Angeles Chargers, fourth place last year. Thus, the two games on their schedule that were set by last year's standings are the games against foes from the AFC North and the AFC South. So the Broncos, of course, open with an AFC South foe in Tennessee. The Chargers open up with the debut of Joe Burrow in all likelihood. Week one, Los Angeles Chargers at Cincinnati Bengals. So they get that started right out, right out of the blocks. And they follow that, by the way, with Kansas City at home in week two. The other game that is set by the standings, it's in week eight, November 1st, at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. By the way, if you go on ESPN.com, you can see the, the buy-in price for tickets that's provided, by, I believe, by VividSeats.com. The buy-in for Jaguars at Chargers right now $37. Oh, yikes. At Chargers in Los Angeles. Correct. In that new stadium. In that new stadium. You can get in for $37, which I believe is uh, already below face value. Wow. That is that is incredible. I mean, for the new stadium, typically new stadiums come at, at, a, at a crazy price. Yeah, compare that to the Broncos. The lowest buy-in right now 
for any one of their home games is $101. <laughs> I guess I shouldn't be shocked. I mean, the demand isn't going to be there when you don't have fans. Right, yeah. And I think it, this is sort of existing in that universe where, you know, maybe there'll be fans, maybe they won't. So it's, it's kind of vague. But that being said, you can still draw something in terms of the value of the team in that market and where people see them from and also just the historic demand for tickets from what you see as the buy-in cost like for example uh the the lowest buy-in for a raiders home game in las vegas of course opening that new stadium the lowest buy-in is 211 dollars for a week 14 game against the colts Holy cow. And Mace, what I'm seeing just through ESPN's little ticket link is the cheapest ticket to the Raiders home opener, which is a Monday night football game week two against the Saints is $592. That's kind wow. of what it should be. That, that, and, and that's kind of what it should be when you open the stadium, not what the Chargers are doing. Week uh, four is the Raiders second home game. Against the Bills, certainly not a sexy team by any means. And the lowest buy in there, $308. That's crazy. That's what Gracious. it should be, though. That just shows you what, what the Chiefs or, or what the Chargers just lack of demand is. Yikes. Yeah, there's certain, I mean, there's certainly excitement and hope that the Raiders, when they open up, can be playing in front of fans. Of course, the question then becomes, will Allegiant Stadium be ready? But that's that's another discussion entirely. So the Chargers schedule, to go back to that for a moment, at Cincinnati, they get Kansas City at home right there in week two. And then they don't play Kansas City again until a game at Arrowhead Stadium in week 17. So would you say that when it comes to the Chiefs games, the Chargers got a little bit of an advantage they get the Chiefs early. Presumably the Chargers should be healthy. But then that Week 17 game, what if the Chiefs have locked themselves into playoff positioning? What if they're set as, say, a number one seed or a number two seed and don't have anything on the line? The Chargers, if they're in the race, could face a scenario where they see the Chiefs basically playing their scrubs. Yeah, that's a really good point, Mason. It really reminds me of the Broncos playing the Raiders last year. Opened up against them in week one and closed with them in week 17. And look how different those two Broncos teams were from the time they played the Raiders week one and the time they played the Raiders in week 17. New quarterback, a lot of different things. And that could actually be a very similar situation with the Chargers. They may open up uh, without Herbert being their quarterback the first time they play Kansas City. And Justin Herbert very well could be their quarterback in week 17. Now, at what point do you think the Chargers do make the change to Justin Herbert? Because one thing with Tyrod Taylor is he and Anthony Lynn do have some familiarity together. They were in Buffalo a few years back. I think Lynn is going to be inclined to stay with Taylor as long as they're in contention. Yep. So how long can this Chargers team with a shaky offensive line, pretty good receiving targets. They get, of course, Hunter Henry back at tight end. A running back they trust in Austin Eckler. 
and a defense that should be among the league's best on paper. You look at the personnel they're throwing out there, and this should be at worst a top seven, top eight defense. I think they should reasonably expect top five. They have the equation to rush and cover pretty well. Is it possible that this Chargers team stays in the race long enough to where we don't see Justin Herbert until really late? Maybe, for example, in week 16 when the Broncos face the Chargers. Yeah, it's very possible. And, Mace, I think the the key stretch for the Chargers starts in week six, and it's a four-week stretch for them. Uh, They start the season off where uh, they they should kind of split the first five weeks of the season. Tampa Bay, New Orleans, Carolina, Kansas City, Cincinnati. They'll be two and three, three and two. But then those next four games, they played New York at home, Miami in uh, Miami, Jacksonville at home, and the Raiders at home. If they win three of those games, four of those games, then, yeah, you're going to be talking about a Chargers team that's, that's in the mix for a wild card spot. If they go two and two and they were already two and three, well, they're probably not going to fare well when they play the Broncos and Buffalo uh, on the road after their bye. If they go losing record in those four games, then, yeah, I mean, Justin Herbert's probably starting after the bye week. Yeah, I think the Chargers, if they have a goal for their first nine games before that week 10 bye, a goal record should be six and three. If yep. they're going to be where they want to be, they can get out of it at five and four. If they're four and five going at Denver, at Buffalo, New England, Atlanta, then at Vegas in the five games following the bye, if they're, if they're four and five, then I think realistically you're probably going to see Justin Herbert either at Buffalo in week 12 or against New England at home in week 13. On paper, that may look more palatable than at Buffalo, but at the same time, if there are no fans, what difference does it make? And New England, even if they are shaky, potentially, with what they offer on offense, that should be a very good defense no matter what with the Patriots, at least unless they get to a point where the defense feels like it's carrying the offense and kind of breaks down. That's that's the sort of thing to consider. That's another thing in the Chargers' favor, though, because that Patriots game coming late, what if New England is struggling? What if their defense is finally packed it in and they get them late? The Broncos get them relatively early in week five when if the Patriots – are having a rough season, they may still have the, some fight in them. That fight may be gone by December if things don't pan out for the Pats. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point. So, Mace, looking at the Chargers' schedule, how do you see things panning out for them this year? Give me a give me a quick record prediction. And this isn't your final prediction. This is just the first one we're going to get from you. All right, I'll just go through it really quickly. Win, loss, win, loss, loss win so three and three after they play the Jets I'm gonna call for them being upset at Miami three and four Uh, Jacksonville at home four and four Vegas at home five and four five and five they lose to the Broncos five and five and six they lose to Buffalo six and six beat New England six and seven lose to Atlanta six and eight lose to Vegas six and nine lose to the Broncos and I'm gonna say Kansas City still fighting for home field advantage in week 10 so they have the, the loss there. So they fade down the stretch, finish 6-10. and 10. 
Yep, and I'm, I'm going to go similar. I'm going to go seven and nine for the Chargers. A uh, little tempted to almost pick them to beat Kansas City that final week of the season, but just with that one bye week, uh, now I think Kansas City will be playing for something. So I'm going to go seven and nine for the Chargers. I think right. when I look at that, I, the thing that jumps out to me is I've got them being swept by the Broncos and swept by the Chiefs. Yep. Yep, and they're swept Not to the good in the division. No, yep. no, and I actually do have them beating the Broncos one time. It, it's it's right. the the game that just gets away from the Broncos, and that's kind of the only difference between you and I. Yep. But still, not a good. Not, not a great team, that's for sure. All right, let's look at the Raiders' schedule. And as I said, in their first five weeks, they only play at home twice against New Orleans and Buffalo. Their road games include Carolina to start the season, New England, and Kansas City. What else do, what do you take away from this schedule? Well, you, if you look at the start, they had better get that win over Carolina oh. in week one in Charlotte because Murderer's Row begins – Right after that, Saints at home, at the Pats, Buffalo at home, at the Chiefs, Bucks at home with Tom Brady coming in in a game that's on Sunday night football. And it's just part of how we can roll our eyes at how the Raiders end up with two Sunday night games and the Broncos got one. Raiders with four primetime games, Broncos with three. Oh, boy. Oakland had better be popping coming out of the gates otherwise the Raiders are, are staring down the barrel of being one in five or two and four yeah after their first six games here I think probably if they're three and three somehow through those six games they ought to be ecstatic oh yeah and they would actually be in good shape to make a run down the stretch although here's an example of where the your placement in the division comes into play the Chargers get at Cincinnati for their AFC North game. The Raiders get at Cleveland. Considerably Ugh. tougher, considerably trickier. I don't think Cleveland is going to have that abject, disorganized look that it had last year under Freddie Kitchens with Kevin Stefanski coming over and running things. And then out of the AFC South, instead of drawing the Jaguars as the Chargers do, the Raiders get the Philip Rivers-led Colts coming in for a home game on December 13th. And that's one that could be a, a dicey game for the Raiders, even at home in Las Vegas. Yep, it, it really, really could be. I mean, that that's, that's a pretty brutal first half of the schedule. Uh, and then in week 10 and 11, they're playing the Broncos in Kansas City. They have a chance, a chance, if things fall the right way for them, after the first 10 weeks of the season, 11 weeks of the season, which are brutal for them to, to end on an easy run. And if they're in the playoff picture, it could really help them at Atlanta at New York. Those games could be more difficult than we think right now. They could also be uh, easier games as well. Indianapolis, uh, that's probably going to be a tough one. Then you have Los Angeles, Miami, and Denver. Of course, that Denver game is going to be hard, but LA and Miami could be easy games, but Mace, Boy, this is, if I'm a Raiders fan and I'm a Las Vegas fan for the first time ever, this is going to be a tough season. It is, but at the same time, those three consecutive home games, even though one is against Phillip Rivers and the Colts, 
if you are in playoff contention, you like the notion of playing week 14, 15, 16 at home to get back on your feet. So the Raiders, in terms of how they look at their outlook over the course of the year, they can say, if we are 6-6 six and six after 12 games, then we've got a shot to yeah. get in the playoffs. We are not in bad shape here. Now, what's fascinating is that what immediately precedes those three consecutive home games is a two-game road swing on the East Coast at Atlanta at the New York Jets. You wonder if they're going to want to try to stay out East in between games. Of course, in the current environment, is that even going to be possible to go find a place to decamp for a week and not have to head all the way back across country to Nevada for uh, for the week between those games. So that being said, if Atlanta's struggling, if the Jets are struggling, maybe the Raiders can say, okay, shoot, we could be four and six and we've got the opportunity to string off some wins. But if they manage to be sitting at four and six, then I don't think they're going to have the momentum to be able to rip off five wins in a row uh, at Atlanta, at New York, and then that three-game homestand. They're going to have to be, be they're going to have to be better than that. I would say for the Raiders to feel really good after twelve games, they need to be seven and five. To feel good after ten games, uh, they ought to be six and four, which is going to be tough sledding against that schedule. Yeah, yeah, I I completely agree. And Mace, that's why I'm also saying the Raiders are going to have a losing record this year. I'm going to put them right there with the Chargers, 7-9. and nine. Gosh, I want to give the Chargers a little edge. I want to put the Raiders at, at 6-10. and 10. I just think that this season is going to be so up and down for them, uh, and, and I think that they'll have one more up. So I'll go 7-9 and nine for the Raiders as well. I'm going to go, let's see here, Law, uh, win, loss, 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 win, 2-4. and four. Yikes. Two and five, two and six, three and six, three and seven, three and eight, four and eight, four and nine, five and nine, six and nine, six and ten. There we go. Six, six and ten. So you're, you're, you're saying the Chargers and the Raiders are going to have the same record. Yep, that's what I'm saying. And so am I. Between us, they're going to go six and a half wins each all right i don't think we're going to have a similar prediction for the final team in the division of course the kansas city chiefs what's the first thing that jumps out to you mace first thing that jumps out is well it's a single game and in my opinion it's the game of the year on the nfl schedule and it's the fact that they gave chiefs at ravens to espn for monday night football that's the best Monday night matchup on paper, yeah. maybe since ESPN got the Monday night football contract. Whew, wow. That is phenomenal. And I know Peter King in his column theorized that a reason why ESPN got this game was, was as a little bit of a thank you for the work that it did in terms of publicizing the free agency period, playing up the draft, when nothing else was going on in sports over the last month and a half to two months, making sure that was at the front table and kind of selling it a little bit, that this is a little bit of the reward for that, getting a game that is frankly bigger than any that they've had in the, believe it or not now, 15 seasons here, going into the 15th year that ESPN has had the Monday Night Football contract. 
Oh, that's fascinating. That That is fascinating. Boy, that's going to be quite a way to open up the season. The end of September, get that as a Monday night game. That's hard to beat. Very hard to beat, no question. And then you take a look around that. The Chiefs, they don't have any three-game road swings. They've got a bunch of two-game road swings. Uh, some are pretty interesting. Of course, Baltimore, that's on the second game of a two-game road swing. They proceed that with a game at SoFi Stadium against the Chargers. There's a Buffalo-Denver road swing in October, but that Buffalo game is a Thursday night game, of course, so a little bit of extra time. You don't want to be the Raiders because you faced an Andy Reid team coming off of a bye, a full bye. The Chiefs get their bye in Week 10 and then go out to Las Vegas in Week 11 for a Sunday night showdown with the Raiders. And then another tentpole game on the schedule. Thanksgiving weekend, November 29th, a Sunday, 425 p.m. Eastern time. Chiefs at Bucks, Patrick Mahomes, and Tom Brady mm. together on the field again. And we've talked about with the Broncos how they might have caught a break getting the Bucks early, and the Chiefs get Tampa Bay late. <laughs> one reason why I'm Tampa. picking the Bucks yeah. to beat the Chiefs. Yeah, that's one reason. The other reason is, of course, go Bucks. <laughs> Mace, you're finally excited <laughs> for Tampa Bay. I absolutely love it. Did you see uh, an NFL executive last week when he was telling Joe Ellis the Broncos schedule? Uh, and instead of saying Tampa Bay, he accidentally said Tampa Bay. <laughs> oh, gosh. I hate doing that, but mind as well. I mean, this, this isn't going to last very long. He's on a two-year contract. He's 43 years old. Mate, I'm so oh. happy that, you, that you're thinking of it that way and just saying might but as well enjoy it. what are they well going to do with quarterback after this? I mean, <laughs> you don't well, have you know to worry gonna, about What's going to happen? What's going to happen is Jameis Winston's going to step in for Drew Brees at some point because Brees will <laughs> – be older and he gets hurt and Jameis Winston will tear it up he'll re-sign with the Saints and the Bucks are gonna have to deal with Jameis Winston twice a year for the next decade will it matter if uh if you have two rings from the next two years Mace see <laughs> I don't think they're going to break through and win at all I think they will snap the streak of missing the playoffs yeah. because they haven't been to the postseason since 2007 it's 12 seasons and counting I think that streak is going to end and thus, I would say if the Bucks are 10 and 6, 11 and 5, and get to the postseason, did it elevate the team? Yes, it did. But then what's the solution? What's the plan beyond that? How do you, how do you build off Tom Brady, hopefully taking this team, this franchise, to another level? Do you build from there or do you come right back down? Unfortunately, when you look at, say, Peyton Manning with the Broncos, he got them to a higher level, and then they came tumbling down not long after that. So that's my concern if they can't nail the succession strategy. Yeah, that, that's very fair. But in terms of this year, Mace, I agree with you. I'm taking the Bucks to beat the Chiefs in Tampa Bay this year. Uh, and like we said, it, it's great that the Broncos don't have to face Tom Brady and the Bucks late in the season. Instead, it's early. And when I look at this Chiefs schedule, Man, it, it is how it should be. Um, this is a tough schedule, and it should be. I mean, they finished first in the AFC West. They, they finished first in the AFC, and they won the Super Bowl. So it should be a tough schedule, and it is. I mean, besides home games, 
against New York and Carolina back-to-back weeks, week eight, nine, then you have a bye week. There's not an easy stretch for the Chiefs it, it, this entire season, like we were saying with the Raiders. Okay, it kind of opens up at the end of the season. Um, it, there's some easy stretches for, for the Chargers here and there, but boy, for the Chiefs, no. I mean, it, you think you have an easy game uh, going to play Miami, but before that, you play the Broncos, Tampa Bay, and then right after Miami, you play New Orleans. This is tough. It's tough, but at the same time, they managed to avoid having a couple of titanic opponents back-to-back because you don't expect New England to be a great team. They play, the, they play the Patriots right after they play the Ravens, for example. They have the Tampa Bay game sandwiched between the Raiders and the Broncos. And the Saints game is sandwiched by the Dolphins and the Falcons. So I look at it, and it's tough, but it's not unmanageable for the Chiefs. Now, if they had, say, New Orleans and Baltimore back-to-back, whoa, mama. (laughs) But you don't see anything like that from from the Chiefs' schedule. It's not like the Broncos down the stretch drawing New Orleans and Kansas City back-to-back right? with the Chiefs game on the road. Yeah, that's, the, that's brutal. The, uh, the Chiefs are spared that sort of thing. So, Mace, what's it boil down to for the Chiefs? Is it going to be uh, six-and-a-half wins for them as well? No, no, it won't <laughs> be. And let's just go through it really quickly. They're going to start with a win over Houston and a win over Los Angeles. They'll be 2-0. and They'll lose at Baltimore, two and one. They'll beat New England and Vegas. They'll get to four and one. I've got them losing at Buffalo. Although that's one, Ooh. Zach, where I make that prediction now. I may have a different prediction if there are no fans in the stands on October 15th when they play the Bills. So uh, well, right and- now, I'm going to assume enough fans in, in newer era field to make some noise and cause some problems as well as the Bills defense. So the Chiefs four and two, then they face Denver five and two, and then they get a little bit of a, a breather here. Jets at home, Carolina at home, bye. So I've got them seven and two at the bye. I've got them winning at Las Vegas, eight and two, losing to the Bucks, beating the Broncos. So they're nine and three after 12 games. And then they close out law or win at Miami, loss at New Orleans, win over the Falcons, win over the Chargers. That's a 12-4 season for the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, shocker, Mace. I'm going to go just one game above you, just like I have with the other two teams. I'm going to go 13-3. and three. I don't think they lose to the Bills, uh, but, but everything else I agree with. Uh, and, but what's interesting about that Bills game, Mace, and to give you credit for that, is that is a Thursday night road game. That's mm-hmm. going to be really, really tough for them to do that, to bounce back like that. Yeah, historically speaking, percentage-wise, Thursday night road games are tougher than Sunday afternoon games or Monday night games if you're the road team. Now, the Chiefs don't have the misfortune of going two time zones like the Broncos have to, which takes it uh, your chances of winning down even further. But Buffalo, they're – that's a team that's looking at some tent pole games, some chances to make statements at home to show that they are a legitimate first place team, that they are for real. That's going to be one of them for the, for the bills. The other interesting thing is that Buffalo comes home after a couple of road games 
against the Raiders and the Titans. And if it gets a bit shaky for them with that two-game road trip preceded by a home game against the Rams, it could be a moment where Buffalo maybe is a little bit desperate and they play that way against the Chiefs and get the upset. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point. So, Mace, I have the AFC West as a darn good division this year. Got the Chiefs going 13-3. and Got the Broncos going 10-6, and making the playoffs. And then I got the Raiders and the Chargers tied for last in the division. Both going 7-9, and though. I mean, that's no gimmies in the AFC West right there. Yep, I'm sitting there with the two last-place teams, both at 6-10. and 10. The Broncos at 10-6. and six. The Chiefs at 12-4. and four. Now, for all of us, because we have the Broncos predicted to win their Week 17 game against the Raiders, this means, guys, that we all have the Broncos eliminated from the division title race before Week 17. No real surprise there. Yep, no, no, no real surprise there, and that won't be a disappointment at all. And I've actually got the Broncos eliminated – from uh, the divisional race because of uh, the tiebreaker. I've got them eliminated going into week 16. Yeah. I mean, it, it'll be, it, it won't be official, but once Kansas city beats the Broncos on Sunday night football in week 13, it's going to be, you know, the odds are, are going to say that the Broncos are eliminated, but they're still going to be right there in the playoff mix. Amen. And that's more than we could have said from the previous few years. I want to tell you about Breckenridge brewery, the official, beer of dnbr remember supporting our partners is supporting us during this crazy time and what breck needs right now is your help to keep the farmhouse their restaurant down at their brewery in littleton kicking during this time if you order your meal and beer from the farmhouse make sure you use the code dnbr and save five dollars off your off your meal if you can make sure you support the workers that are keeping things alive down at the farmhouse you can of course go pick up your food and or beer down there if you're in the denver area call 303 803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. From, for pickup. They'll bring your to-go order out to your car for you. But also, if you're outside the Denver area and you want to taste some of that beautiful Breck Beer Avalanche, Colorado Core, Strawberry Sky, that's my personal favorite. You've got to go to the Breck Beer Locator, and then you can – that's on the Breck Beer website. Find out where you can get it locally or go through Drizzly and get the 15-can sampler if you want a little bit – of everything good coming from Breck Brewery. All, plenty of ways to satisfy your cravings for a little Breck Brew, whether it's on Drizzly, whether you use the Breck Beer Locator for your favorite liquor store, or if you're in town, going and picking up directly over at the farmhouse. They're here for you during this nutty time. And guys, I know I said it's, uh, it's not the nicest day outside today, but over the weekend it was beautiful, and May was here bringing some grass up, and it was time to whip out the lawnmower. But I'm not talking about the one that goes outside. I'm talking about the lawnmower 3.0. Springtime is here. Time to get groomed up in no better way than lawnmower 3.0 from Manscaped. Guys, the advanced skin safe technology they have, that LED light that illuminates everything, uh, the, the battery life that lasts 90 minutes, 7,000 RPM motor, and quiet stroke technology. Guys, I'm talking about a razor with all of that. That's how high-tech it is. That's how good it is. You won't find a better razor out there. And then that's just the start. I mean, if you want to get the Perfect Package 3.0 kit, which I highly recommend, it, the 
crop preserver, uh, the crop reviver, those all come with it. Those are some, some toners, some deodorant. It's, it's a game changer, guys. So make sure to check out Manscaped. Now is a perfect time when you're stuck at home. Instead of mowing the lawn outside, you can mow below the belt. So check out Manscaped for 20% off your entire purchase and free shipping. Use the code DNVR20. It's that magical code. It's back and get 20% off your entire purchase and free shipping. Make sure to check out Manscaped. All right, Mace, let's make sure that we check in and listen to the people. Yes, let's mow our lawn, or at least mow the lawn of the, uh, the commenters, perhaps, and uh, uh, keep things nice and trim, and make sure we hear from them. And we appreciate everyone of you chiming in over the weekend. Count Locula, DNVR family, I extend a humble plea on behalf of the well-being of humanity and yourselves. Can we please arrest our judgments on players' perceived intellects and how that will affect them on the football field? I, of course, have spent many guilty occasions doing the same in the past. I remember hearing an interview with Frank Gore early in his career where I chided him for his ineloquence and essentially wrote him off. Boy, was I wrong. All of us carry with us a unique set of tools and a way of using them that is particular to our individual beings. To judge one another based on an arbitrary standard that you deem acceptable is the acme of foolishness. I'm referencing, of course, the shade thrown at players like Jerry Judy who don't fit the mold of what we want our superstar to be. People saying things like Larry Fitzgerald did it the right way and insinuating that others should follow suit. Last I checked, there is no single way to be a great football player other than by being a great football player. The most idolized there and often being the men that perform their craft in an unapologetic manner that resounds in our memories with a resplendent uniqueness and are thereby protected from a fulfillment of the status quo. Our favorite guys in the end are the guys that just whip opponents' collective asses and win games, aren't they? Sorry, Frank Gore. You became one of my favorite players and always should have been. Love the count. <laughs> well, count. I, I think that I think that's very well said. And football players are just like pretty much anyone in any industry where you're going to have people that are brainiacs. You're going to have people that score really high on IQ tests, and you're also going to have people that don't score as high on IQ tests. But they're all able to get the same job done. Now, you know, in some professions, you have to score high on IQ tests. A, a, a football player doesn't have to be one of those. So you are going to have all shapes and sizes, literally and figuratively, in the NFL. And, and yeah, j- just because a guy may not come across as uh, what we would define as smart doesn't mean he can't get it done on the football field. 100%. And also, you know, the, the whole thing of football IQ is different than necessarily being able to be a good interview. I think one thing that uh, – a lot of people in the media fail at is uh, they'll think of a player as being a good guy or the right guy because he's a good interview. It doesn't always work that way. <laughs> right. That's a, that's a really good point. Uh, next one from Sir James radio Jersey challenge day 20, the Buffalo bills. He's going to completely contradict my statement from yesterday about feeling it was too early to get a newly drafted quarterback Jersey because I'm selecting my man, Jake from fascinating choice there and I'm going to stick in the quarterback room in Buffalo I'm going Josh Allen speaking of good guys that he's just such a good dude down to earth and I've seen and maybe it's the Bills doing an excellent job of showing all of the charity work he does but but really the ones that have caught my attention Josh Allen just in the couple years he's been in the league has done a lot of uh one-on-one work with uh you know if someone has um you know, a, a disability 
or a, a disease. He's really taken them under his wing, and, and especially with young fans, done an incredible job. So he's such a good guy. I'm going to go with Josh Allen. That's a pretty good choice right there. I'm going to go for a guy that I really liked uh, coming out of college, and uh, he's starting to come into his own. That's uh, Tremaine Edmonds, the third-year linebacker on the team that they uh, picked in the first round back in 2018 out of Virginia Tech, but they've got some good under-the-radar choices. You've got, for example, Andre Roberts, who's been around a long time. Really, you could argue, has been uh, one of, if not the best punt returners over the last uh, decade-plus in the in the NFL. Uh, John Brown, the wide receiver out of Pittsburgh State, of course, came from Arizona and was a favorite target of Josh Allen's last year, of course, had that touchdown catch uh, for the Bills against the Broncos at the expense of Chris Harris. If you like your receivers with a little bit of edge, a little bit of attitude, of course, they got <laughs> Stephon Diggs, Diggs yeah. sitting there, the new acquisition, wearing jersey number 14 for the Buffalo Bills. And then, underrated choice, Ed Oliver, mm, who, yeah. of course, uh, they picked last year, the, uh, the snarling defensive lineman. And I would be remiss if I did not mention, as a possibility, for Broncos fans who can forgive and forget fumbles, Isaiah McKenzie. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone in Denver is going to buy the Isaiah McKenzie jersey. But, man, Mace, you're right. There are a lot uh, of under-the-radar guys, and I guess Jake Fromm is extremely under-the-radar there. So another great question from Sir James Radio. Next one coming in from Missouri Bronco. Hey, guys, I just got done with my finals and a full week of work at my grocery store. I don't know about the stores in Denver, but it's been crazy here in the land of Locke with folks stocking up every day. I tried to complete or I, I tried to complete the week 18 interconference rivalry games that Mace has been talking about for a while. I tried to stick to geography as best I could. Here's my list. What would you change? All right, Mason, the most important one here. He has Broncos and Seahawks, just like you. I'll run through some of the other ones. Raiders, Cardinals, Chargers, Rams, Chiefs, 49ers, Steelers, Eagles, Bengals versus Falcons, Browns versus Vikings, Ravens versus Redskins, Patriots versus Packers, Jets versus the Giants, Bills versus the Lions, Dolphins, Bucks, Titans, Panthers, Texans, Cowboys, Colts versus Bears, and Jaguars versus Saints. Oh, Mace, you're muted. <laughs> sorry there we go the weird thing is that you're gonna have seattle or san francisco that gets kind of on an island because you could also have broncos 49ers too potentially i go with seattle just to revive the old afc west rivalry there you, you have to me you start with obvious ones and then you kind of go from there like for example um Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, that's an obvious one. L.A. and L.A., that's obvious. Jets, Giants, obvious. Washington, Baltimore, obvious. One that uh, he had that uh, I didn't go with, he went with Jaguars, Saints, and I, I went with Jaguars, Falcons. Now, what's interesting is that the Jacksonville television market pushes up into South Georgia, so those two markets border each other. We did agree on Titans, Panthers. It does, get, it does get a little interesting when you try to figure out, for example, uh, who do the Packers have as a rival? I like what you did there, Missouri Bronco, with having the Packers and the Patriots. Yeah, A couple like of very accomplished franchises. And in some instances where there isn't an obvious geographical rival, you are going to maybe try to 
push something historically with the Packers and Patriots, why that jumps out. And I've done a, a rival, a rivalry thing like this that has the Packers and Patriots together. What I like about this is saying, okay, you could argue that the two best dynasties league wide were the Packers back in the sixties and the Patriots in the Belichick Brady era, the Patriots getting six world titles, the, the Packers winning five NFL championships. And then on the end of those, a couple of Super Bowls after the Super Bowl began, Bill Belichick and Vince Lombardi, a lot of people would debate one, two on them as head on them being the greatest head coach of all time with Don Shula, maybe kind of butting in there as well. It has the potential to be a rivalry that has some historic underpinnings. I like that, even though they don't have an obvious geographical thing. One thing I did want to, I, I, I'm thinking for the chiefs, it's kind of tough. The chiefs, you could do the saints or you could do the Vikings. The last one I did, I had the chiefs together with the Vikings. They're not obviously nearby, but you just call it the I-35 rivalry because you scoot up I-35 from Kansas City and boom, you run into Minneapolis. Iowa is kind of middle ground between the Chiefs and the Vikings as well. I think that's something that could grow into to a big rivalry too. I like that. Now, Mace, what, what's the solution or what's the answer when the Broncos or the AFC West plays the NFC West? Then are there two games between those teams? Yes, you're playing that team twice, and the goal is to make sure you've arranged the home-away rotation to where you do not have both games at the same, at the same venue. Right. So you're not saying, okay, it's, Bronco, it's, it's Broncos at Seahawks twice. You're finagling, and that may mean there will be maybe a couple of years where when the, the divisions aren't paired, You've got Broncos at Seahawks two years in a row or Seahawks at Broncos two years in a row. But you can make that work to make sure you're not making two trips to the same city in the same year. Or the other possibility is, Zach, in those years, you take one of those games and make it a neutral site game. Oh, yep, yep. So then you do keep the home away, home away thing once a year. And then that bonus game, that extra game, you're playing it in London or you're playing it in Mexico City. Yeah, well, I'm sure the NFL would love to take advantage of that. I love it. I love it, mates. Next one coming in from What If Big Bird. The question is, was the Bachelorette next season? Who do you think would get the final rose? (laughs) Well, I can tell you, if that was the case, well, Mace would not be watching it. So, well, he won't be watching it regardless. So, And then he goes on and says, football question. Who gets more receiving yards and touchdowns this season? A, the tight end room as a whole, or B, wide receiver two? Mm. All right. I'm going to say that wide receiver two gets more receiving yards, but the tight end room gets more touchdowns. I'm splitting the baby. Yep. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that as well. Pretty much what you're saying is Noah Fant or Noah Fant and Alberto, maybe throw a tiny bit of Nick Vanette in there uh, going up against Jerry Judy. Uh, I think Noah Fant is going to be a force in the red zone this year. So, yeah, I like that. Touchdowns to the tight ends, receiving yards to the wide receiver. We're already writing off Jeff Hireman, huh? Oh, yeah, long gone. Long gone. The only person that hasn't wrote him off yet is John Elway, but he will He will before the season starts. It's possible that of Jeff Hireman, Troy Fumagalli, Jake Butt, and Austin Fort, it's possible that the only one back is Austin Fort. He ends up on the practice squad. Yeah, it is very true. Yeah, that's crazy. The turnover there. All righty. <laughs> hip, hip, you Ray. 
first and foremost, awesome live podcast. Secondly, I want to address the pronunciation of my username is hip hip uray, not uray. Don't worry though, Zach, you're not the only one who would have pronounced it that way. I got the name based off my hometown of Uray, Colorado, which is a small mountain town located in the heart of the San Juan, Juan Mountains in the southwest corner of the state. The name of the town is after the Ute Indian chief Uray. It is very commonly mistaken, and I correct people all the time. As for my comment, I was taking a look at locations of NBA franchises and NFL franchises and noticed some potential landing spots for an expansion franchise. Assuming the Chargers will stay put in Los Angeles, however, in the event that it doesn't work out, which of the following markets would successfully, willingly, potentially be the best fit for an expansion franchise? Portland, San Antonio, Salt Lake City, Memphis, and or Oklahoma City. As always, go Broncos and go DMVR. Well, great, great question, Hip Hip. You, Ray, and of course, I know exactly what it was based off of. I just didn't know the pronunciation, but uh, you, Ray, such, such a pretty town uh, in Colorado. Absolutely love it. So I'm so pumped you're rolling with us. And Boy, Mace, those are those are some good ones. I would kind of put all of those cities neck and neck with each other. Which one jumps out to you? Well, San Antonio gets the gold star for taking in the Saints back in 05 after Katrina and supporting them very well. Now, with San Antonio, while the Alamo Dome is a nice temporary home, You'd have to come up with a stadium plan. The Alamo Dome, believe it or not, it's 27 years old this year. Wow. It's been around a long time, and it would probably require some work to make it ready. But the thing that has hung over San Antonio is the territorial rights of the Texas teams, particularly the Dallas Cowboys, for whom San Antonio is basically a second home market. They've had training camp down there. Jerry Jones would fight that one tooth and nail. (laughs) Yes, he would. So even though San Antonio would make some sense in terms of of fan support, it may not make sense in terms of uh, having to jump over some hoops. And also uh, with San Antonio, you're looking at a corporate base that maybe doesn't match some other cities. It doesn't match, for example, Portland. Now in Portland, the issue is venue. You'd have to build a new stadium. It would almost certainly have to be privately financed. Uh, we're not in an environment where we're going to see a lot of public financing here for, for new stadiums going forward. So you'd, all of these require really the, the owner of the team to step up and build a new stadium uh, for that team. Portland would probably make the most sense Memphis, I don't know if you're going to push that one forward. Uh, it's not that they're too close to uh, the Tennessee Titans. Memphis and Nashville, those are two different markets. They really don't like each other all that much, quite frankly. Oklahoma City, that's an in, that is an interesting one right there. Oklahoma City, you actually have, similar to San Antonio, you have a place where they can play right away. They can just play down uh, in Norman. Uh, until they get a stadium built the que- the thing is would you ever have a level of support that would match say oklahoma and oklahoma state for football would everyone get behind that that's sort of the bit the big question there if i'm ranking them i'm probably going in an ideal scenario i'd i'd have san antonio number one and then portland number two and then OKC, Utah, and then Memphis kind of falling along uh, in that. Uh, One that I would say ought to get some play, but you don't really hear about, is 
Omaha, Nebraska, even though that's a smaller market. That's a, a pretty strong corporate town. You wouldn't really have much of an issue selling the luxury boxes and the club seats there in Omaha. And there's really nothing going on there in terms of professional sports. The biggest game in town is Creighton basketball on the College World Series. I'm surprised Omaha hasn't gotten a look at some point. Yeah, crazy enough, because of what you said about Oklahoma City and having those college programs, wondering if there'd be enough support. That's why I'm actually putting them as number one, because they have just crazy football fans there. So I'm going to put them as one. San Antonio, two, uh, and Portland, three in my ranking. So some good cities you threw out there, uh, hip hip you, Ray. You know what's interesting? First of all, almost all these markets be better than Jacksonville. Yes. Number two, we're naming these markets. And even though it's in the shadow of another NFL market, the one that probably makes the most sense is Orlando. Right. Yeah. And taking the Jaguars and moving them about two and a half hours southwest down 95 and over on Interstate 4 to Orlando. Yeah, they need to. Jacksonville's not the place. <laughs> it's not the place next one coming in from mile high magic 79 the broncos seem to hold a conditioning edge on every team in the nfl for the first few weeks of each season in my opinion this is why they always seem to do well in openers in the following three games regardless of their opponents possibly being more talented do you think this home field advantage will have a greater effect this season if teams lose practice sessions and more guys come in out of shape well, I think it depends on, for the Broncos, how well their player, their guys come in to camp and whether they're in shape or not. Because yeah. if they don't come in in shape, then it's going to negate the effect. Yep. 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 I think that's, it, that's a really good point, Mace. It, they've got to take care of their own business, too. Missouri Bronco. Also, gents, good commentary on the home game against Kansas City. But I think the Broncos get a game-winning field goal to win 30-28. to 28. I don't care what it looks like on paper. We have to win this game for my sanity. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, I think the, the win against the Chiefs will come in 2021. Yeah, I think so as well. Might, might come close, might be competitive, but it might, it's uh, like tipping over a vending machine as was said on Seinfeld, which was like breaking up. You don't knock it over in one swoop. You got to rock it back and forth a little bit and then make it fall. <laughs> this year is going to be the rocking back and forth. Of the <laughs> right. machine. Right. The Next candy year bar. it tumbles. <laughs> yes. The candy bar is loose after this year. Yep. Steve Atwater, HOFer. Nickname for the new look Broncos offense, Drew Lockdown and the social distancers. They'll be creating six feet of separation against NFL defenses all season long. I like that. <laughs> I like that too. Would you swap offensive skill position players with the Chiefs right now minus the QB? If you say yes, you'd have to take on their current contract situations and would have to fit them under the, the cap this season, which could mean some, sacrificing some key defensive players. When you put it that way, I'm taking the Broncos skill guys because of their relative salary cap friendliness. Yeah, in terms of value, you can't beat the Broncos skill guys right now, at least what it appears to look like. I mean, you have a first-round wide receiver, a first-round tight end, a second-round wide receiver who's made the Pro Bowl, and a second-round wide receiver that runs a sub-4-3-40. I mean, you, you can't beat that in terms of – oh, and you have Philip Lindsay too. The yeah, value better. is unmatched. You're better at running back, presumably, although they've, although quite Edwards Hilaire 
pardon me, could change that. Right, exactly. So, no, in terms of value, the Broncos win on that one. Iceman chiming in. Hey, you three amigos. Enjoyed Mace on the Broncos UK pod. Well done, Andrew. I can Thank you. En- I can envision a lot of new UK subscribers after the selling job Mace did. Highly recommend the DB UK pod to our DNVR fam. Yeah, they do a great job over there Love at Denver them. Broncos Love those UK. Guys. So much fun. A world perspective on the Broncos is always fun. Iceman's going 12 and 4, 5 and 3 on the road, 7 and 1 at mile high. Losses to the Saints, Chiefs, Raiders, and Pats in January 2021. Remember, you read it here first on May 8th, 2020. The 2020 AFC West champs for the 16th time in 61 years. Go America, Broncos, and Drew. Like the optimism. Love it, Iceman. Love it. That would be fun. That would be a blast. 12 and 4 in the division champs. Man, you'd wonder how that Pats game would slip by if they're going 12 and 4 and a Raiders game. But man, it'd be fun. Well, the Pats are going to look. It's funny. Everyone's uh, talking about the Pats maybe tanking for Trevor. I think there could come a point where things break down for them, but their defense probably means they're still going to find a way to win five or six games. Yeah. At minimum. Yeah, but I don't I mean, think they melt down completely. I don't either. I, I don't think they'll, they'll land Trevor next year. They're not going to be that bad. No. JC, JC Ross B01. Oh, I probably screwed that up. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, guys, just a quick sort of football-related question today. Ryan, what are your thoughts on the match with Tiger and Peyton and Brady and Phil? Who wins? Are you a Tiger guy or a Phil guy? Myself, I've always been a Tiger fan, so I lucked out with him being paired with Peyton and not Tom. I'm hoping that he and Peyton will stomp Brady and Phil. Well, I know Ryan's not here, but I have some opinions on this, and I absolutely love it. Man, this was so much fun when Tiger and Phil did this last year. I don't sit down and watch a full round of golf really ever. You know, I'll I'll catch uh, holes here and there, especially when, you know, the Masters comes around. I definitely sit down, but I don't watch all 18 rounds that or all 18 holes that someone does. But for that, the Tiger and Phil, I did, and it was an absolute blast. This is that, except it's better. I mean, this is going to be so much fun, and I already love the smack talking that Peyton's doing. Man, he was on fire. It's going to be so much fun, and give me Tiger and Peyton all day. You know what? I'm finding it hard to care about this. Oh, no, Mace. I was just thinking about this. Think about the sports that are the first ones back. Yeah. UFC, NASCAR, golf. I mean, I'm not saying they're at the bottom of my list, but these are the sports that I could most live without. Sure. I don't disagree with that. This, it it just, I'm sorry. I I know. But that's why I I know they're trying here and. It's, I just don't, I'm sorry. I, I just don't have any interest in watching a match that has a couple of football players playing golf. I, I just don't, I'm sorry. See, see, that's what I love about it is that they're doing something a little different. So it's not just your, your standard golf game. Uh, I, oh man, I'm so pumped. It, it's the uh, other thing. The other thing is match, like match play. If it's not like the Ryder cup where you've got multiple matches going on, like one, like one match, 
I've actually found really boring to watch. Like the the Tiger Phil one on one, I thought it was I thought it was boring. Oh, you didn't like because, it? Well, no, because it like uh, the golf. What, when I do watch golf, you know, if it's the tournament or if it's the Ryder Cup, you've got multi. You can go okay. Let's let's go over to thirteen. Let's go over to fifteen. Let's go over to twelve. You're bouncing around. There's a lot going on. There just isn't enough going on in a single golf round that you're that you're going one hole by one hole by one hole to draw my interest and that that's why they're going to have to do a great job micing these guys up and making it entertaining as well so that you're watching more than just um a, a golf match you're watching kind of what we saw on zoom that they put out there of peyton chirping up tom and, and all the guys just laughing at it it's got to be uh, more than just golf and it's and that's where again this is the stuff that doesn't interest me it's because it's like the personality stuff the the yap 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 the back and forth i need games i want games <laughs> i'm sorry it, it, they're trying it's just it's not doing it for me oh man i love it mace doesn't and i love that we disagree on that yeah that's like I, I, I won't be planning my sunday the 24th around watching that I, gotta be something more than that sorry yeah that's actually i i don't like that that it's on a sunday i think the tiger and phil thing was on like a friday afternoon and that was perfect for something wasn't like it that. like thanksgiving weekend though i think so yeah yeah like who's gonna I, I they had it and i'm like why am i gonna watch this ahead of college football well that's a good point maybe it was in between games i don't remember all i know is i actually sat down and watched it i mean that being said you know it's it's not ideal, but uh, I will probably be I will probably be watching the NASCAR races when they happen because at least that is even though it's auto racing, not really my thing. At least that's a competition that looks like the rest a regular competition, you know. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I probably won't be catching those, but Mace, well, one of the things that during this conversation that, that I've thought of is I've thought of WGT golf, not just because we're talking golf and because this is the best and most popular golf game in the entire world, but because one of the things that can be kind of tough about golf, whether you're playing it, whether you're watching it is that it takes a long time for it to happen. And one of the things that I love about WGT golf is I get to play golf, but boom, it's going fast. I mean, holes are like this. It's a fast game. It's fast paced golf. I think that may be uh, one of the best bringing the best of both worlds coming together. Fast paced golf. That's what WGT golf is about. And guys, we want you to join us playing WGT golf. So download the app by going to dnvrgolf.com download the app through that website to make sure that WGT knows that you want to play with us and go in uh, to WGT. Once you practice, once you played, go in and join our country club to get in on the tournaments that we're doing. What you do is go to country clubs and search DNVR and we'll be right there. Click join us. Uh, we've already got a good group in there, but we want more people in there for the tournaments that we're doing weekly guys. This has been my favorite golf game for a decade now played it just yesterday and what i love about it is how realistic it is including you can play at pebble beach uh st andrews bandon dunes so many places around the world i absolutely love it and want to play with you guys so go to dnvrgolf.com to download wgt golf today yeah and i may not enjoy watching a single uh, match play round of golf but i enjoy playing golf and if i can't get out there and golf i enjoy playing 
WGT as well. And whether I'm going to play with friends or whether I'm going to play alone, I want to have clean teeth. That's where the Green Mountain Dental Group comes in. They're in Lake where they're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area, and they're extreme Colorado sports fans just like all of us. You can schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, and you will receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. And I can attest uh, that Sonicare toothbrush is tremendous. It'll change the way you think about brushing your teeth. Tag us, and then when you go there, show them how this community can support our biggest supporters. Green Mountain Dental Group, they'll treat you like family. Even birthday cards will come your way. They care about you, the person, not just you, the customer. They're a longtime partner of DNVR. They show us love. You can show them some love as well. Only 50 minutes from downtown Denver. Remember, the first step to good health is taking care of your mouth. Do so with the Green Mountain Dental Group, of course, greenmountaindentalgroup.com. Everything you need right there. Schedule an appointment. All right, locking in the Lombardi chime in. Hey, gents. So I have read a few articles stating how Peyton Manning wants his next step in football to be ownership or partial ownership with some, with some sadness, but also hope if the NFL makes the Bolin family sell the team come September following from when proceedings start, what would be your thoughts about maybe PFM finding an investor to maybe purchase the Broncos or at least take a stake in them? I know his net worth isn't even close to what it needs to be, but it wouldn't be the first time someone could find an investor. What do you think the team would be with PFM and Elway running the team together? I don't want to see the Bolins lose the team, but if it did happen, I think it would be an it would be awesome to see Peyton can take a stake or get an investor and soon own the team. I hope the Bolins can come together and work it out like Pat wanted. I love the Broncos and everything they have done for the or, or I love the Bolins and everything they have done for the organization, and love you guys and the great work you guys do. Well, Peyton Manning was connected to a potential Panthers ownership group a couple of years ago, uh, led by uh, Ben Navarro, businessman out of uh, Charleston, South Carolina. But uh, that ended up not working out. David Tepper bought the Panthers, but you wonder if that group and uh, that partnership potentially could uh, be revived at some point. Now, for the Broncos, I'd say everything's just in a holding pattern right now, even uh, the the legal stuff as well, because of course uh, the the court system uh, it's ground it's slowed down in the wake of COVID nineteen and uh, and everything going on. So uh, that might kick uh, the trial date down the road a little bit. I doubt the NFL would make the Bowen family sell the team. Yeah, it would. Yeah. They, it, there would have to be some real malfeasance going on that uh, appears to be no evidence of that to the point where they would compel the Bowen family to sell the team. I, I, that doesn't really exist. So I don't, I don't think the league is going to make the Bowen family sell the team. The other thing is if Pey if, if Peyton Manning was part of a group to buy the Broncos, I don't think John Elway is running the team with Peyton Manning. No, I think Peyton's running it. I think it's Peyton's show. Yeah, I, I think so as well. And I don't think it, the NFL won't force him to sell this September, but man, I would absolutely love Peyton Manning being involved. And because if he's involved, uh, yeah, he won't own the team outright. He, it'll be an investor group, but he'll be the figurehead of that and he'll be involved in the day-to-day -day operations. And man, would I love that. Yeah, the question is, obviously Peyton Manning doesn't have the money on his own to buy a team. He would need other investors. but are those other investors going to defer to Peyton Manning? Because when you're talking about the kind of billions of dollars involved with it, 
some of those folks may want to have a big, pretty big say in how the team is run. I'm sure they will, but I don't think Peyton's signing off on someone that uh, doesn't want him to be the figurehead. I'm sure he'll find someone with money. That I don't says, think so either, but that's interesting because uh, that may sound good on paper, but then all of a sudden a few years in and, you know, that owner says, hey, you know, I want a little bit more say here. It's, <laughs> yep, it can could. be dicey. Could, yep, very, very well could be. TK Freeze, what's up, guys? First and foremost, how are you guys doing? Have you been able to leave the house? We're still pretty much home 100% of the time. Sorry, I was trying to avoid sneezing there. My work just reopened Friday, so I'm excited to finally have an income again. Hey, good job. That's, that's great news. We appreciate you letting us know that. Hypothetical Broncos scenario for you guys. Let's say we go back to the 2019 NFL draft, and now we all know that we all know Drew Locke is a future Hall of Fame QB, slightly joking. He goes way before pick 42 while everything else in the draft stays the same. Not logical, but hey, just having fun. Because of him already being picked, instead we pick A.J. Brown, wide receiver Ole Miss. Fast forward to the 2020 draft with no luck. Let's just say we don't win any of the last five games with Brandon Allen. Going 4-12, having the fourth overall pick. With this pick, the Broncos select two attack of Viloa. Obviously, even without Locke, maybe we don't get those picks or decide to go another route just for fun. If it were to fall out like this, which duo with the same Bronco team would you prefer? Locke and Judy or Tua and A.J. Brown? Just a scenario I thought of in my head the other day, and I believe Tua is going to be an incredible quarterback for a long time and put the Dolphins back on the map, but give me locking Judy. What says you? Oh, great, great question, TK Freeze. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm staying home, only going out to do essential things and, and to exercise uh, so that people like you who absolutely need to go out uh, to work can, can do that and uh, we don't have to shut back down again. Um, but, to, man, to get to your great, great question, well, I mean, you prefaced it in a way that makes me have to pick Tua because if he's going to be an incredible quarterback for a long time and put the Dolphins back on the map, you can't, you can't pass up on that. And I think Locke and Judy are going to be great. So it's not A.J. Brown over Jerry Judy because I wouldn't take that. It's, it's if you get that top five pick quarterback and he turns out, then, yeah, give me him and Tua, I think we'll do that. Yeah, <laughs> I do like Tua, but here's the problem. Oh. I don't think the Broncos would have done that. I don't either. In that scenario, I think they would have that they would have picked Justin Herbert. Oh, yeah. I'd much rather have locking Judy over Justin Herbert. <laughs> yes, without a doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Triad Bronco. Hey y'all. Heads. And yes, I actually flipped a quarter. I'll see myself up. God bless. So Mace, I gotta give it to you. You won. I picked Tails, you picked Heads. You're the winner. So much for tails never fails. Uh, yeah, seriously, did not back me up on that. Yep, Oklahoma Bronco 58. Well, boys, I'm officially a college graduate. No Broncos comment today. Just pumped to never have to turn in another homework assignment again. Hey. Congratulations, Oklahoma Bronco. Congratulations. Thanks for letting us know. I hope you had a great weekend celebrating. Jimmy Ball says, my boys, I saw this little exercise on Twitter and would love to hear which Broncos player you'd pick for it. Most overrated, underrated, best player, new addition, cool, uh, could surprise, takes a leap, takes a step back, improve a year. As always, keep up the good work. All right, Mace, let's go through these quickly. Just This Broncos. actually seems like a full podcast. It really does. You know Topic, what? Topic, though, you know? I'll, I'll throw this right now, putting it in the segment one uh, uh, things that we'll talk about. So great, great idea, because Mace, I think you're right. I think it does take some time to break all of those down. Yeah, to, to give this the proper attention, this is not something that I think we can answer in just 
60 seconds here. Yeah, those could actually all be segment one ideas. Yep. Larry Dang Jr. Hey, guys, so you have any idea when other rookie jerseys will most likely be available to the public like Hamler and Moody, that orange cushionberry, LOL. I need some of these rookie jerseys in my life, LOL. Or if you guys are doing awesome new shirts, I'd love to get me some. Man, just thinking about rocking that orange cush gives me chills, LOL. Anyways, um, can you give me a scenario of how the Titans can beat the Broncos? The Broncos team with far less talent has been in the last 20 season opening games at home, 19 and one LOL, a Bronco team that bleeped them out last year, a Bronco team that can eliminate what the Titans do best or shut them out. It came out as a, sorry, it was <laughs> typed in as an obscenity. A Bronco team that can eliminate what the Titans do best in Derrick Henry. I want to see how Titans media sees it because I need more than that's a very winnable game from them. I need to know how and why. And I feel like we've been very fair teams, but it's next to impossible. Me looking at what the Titans lost and all that we've gained, seeing them coming a mile high and it being a very winnable game, LOL. Just curious if you could see it happening and how. Let's be honest, the Titans lost a lot and getting Christian Fulton. Their draft was horrendous and signing Vic Beasley for that much was a reach and their own line was in trouble already. I think it got a lot worse. Well, a few comments back. The name A.J. Brown was mentioned. And A.J. Brown really started to emerge there in the second half of the season, especially after Ryan Tannehill got comfortable. So, even though they have lost on the offensive line, Jack Conklin has moved on, I think the fact that they have the ability to go deep as a compliment to Derrick Henry pounding the ball, this does give them a shot to have a different game, a different tenor, than what existed last year when the Broncos faced the Titans. I still think the Broncos win this game. I think they can win it comfortably by, say, 7 to 10 points. But based on what we saw from the Titans down the stretch in the postseason, and even what we saw from them once Ryan Tannehill came in, yes, they were behind, and yes, he had some giveaways, but they were moving the ball far better with Tannehill than they did with Marcus Mariota. If Tannehill had played the entire game last October, Zach, I think it could have been a different outcome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're definitely putting up more than zero points than they did. And, yes, LDJ, I know what you're saying. A lot of things go in the Broncos' way for that game. And I think the Broncos do win. But can I see a scenario in which which the Broncos win or the Broncos lose? Absolutely. Look. The Broncos shut Derrick Henry down last year. He only averaged 1.9 yards per carry. That doesn't happen often to Derrick Henry. And the Broncos, even under Vic Fangio, even with a lot of these players that they have, have given up 200-yard rushers uh, in the past couple of years. So, yeah, Derrick Henry could go off for 200 yards. That wouldn't blow my mind. Ryan Tannehill, in the last seven games of the regular season last year, seven games, that's a pretty darn good sample size. He had a 70 or 69% completion, threw for 250 yards a game, 16 touchdowns to two interceptions, and 129 passer rating. That's incredible. That's That will beat any team in the league. So if you get that Ryan Tannehill paired with Derrick Henry, they can beat anyone in the league. So, yeah, they, they can beat the Broncos. They have a formula there. They've proven it. Uh, do I think it happens? No, I still like the Broncos in this game. I do as well. Next one coming in from Dan Burke. I was thinking about the impact of Shelby Harris's batted pass and what could have happened if they lost the game. Tell me what you think. 
I'm convinced they take Jerry Judy no matter where they pick in the first round. Elway made it clear that they went into round one, set on taking receiver, and we know Judy was their wide receiver one. Even if it came between someone like Wirfs or Judy, they still take Judy in my opinion. If they valued Wirfs more than Judy, they would have traded with the 49ers to take him, no? Judging by how much Vic loves him, I still think they take Hamler if they pick earlier in the second. I still think they take Ojemudia too. Mike Kliss came out last week and said the Broncos liked Ojemudia more than any of the second round corners. The only major difference is I think they take Matt Hennessy instead of Cushenberry. The only thing that changes is the two AFC West teams we play this year. The Steelers project to be a tough matchup, but I'd still rather play the Steelers with the question marks at quarterback instead of an improved Browns team with a better overall record. Same for playing the Titans, who are a prime candidate for regression instead of the Colts. Well, whether you'd rather play the Steelers or the Browns, I think depends on how you think Ben Roethlisberger is going to do. If you think Roethlisberger bounces back, you'd probably rather see the Browns. Um, I don't like for the Broncos having to play the Steelers in Roethlisberger's first home game back. I think that's something that's not going to work in the Broncos' favor. Now, one thing to consider, though, on the draft, I agree with you that the Broncos would have taken Jerry Judy if they picked a few selections earlier. But remember this. The Broncos tried to trade back into the end of the first round to take Patrick Queen, the linebacker, out of LSU. They couldn't pull it off, in part because at 46, their draft pick in round two was too low. But what if you're picking 40th or 41st instead of 46th? Do you have the ability to pull off that trade? Quite possibly. And so you've changed getting K.J. Hamler at that point because you've sacrificed your second-round pick and you've taken Patrick Queen. And then the domino effect goes from there. Are you looking for a speed-wide receiver? Maybe you're taking Devin DuVernay in round three. The other thing you mentioned on the center, perhaps on the center, is taking uh, Hennessy over Cushenberry. If they had the possibility of doing that, this is a case where I think things are going to work out better for the Broncos, even though they may have had Hennessy as the higher-rated guy on their board. I think. I so think they too. got the better center. I think they got the better center. I think. I think you nailed it, Mace. And boy, that that's just something that can't be forgotten. Is would those five or six draft spots in the second round been enough to go up and grab Patrick? Wait, then we're talking about a stud inside linebacker. And we're talking about a stud wide receiver in the first two rounds. I'm not saying that that's better. Well, I mean, it should be better if you were going to trade up in the first round. But then what don't you get later in the draft because of all the, the stuff you had to trade up mm-hmm. to get up to get Patrick Queen? Yep, absolutely. Smitten with Drew. My girlfriend's mother, who is a Bronco fan, lives in North Carolina and bought us tickets to the game against the Panthers. It'll be my first Broncos game, so I'm hopeful the season we played in front of fans, but we'll see. Either way, a trip to North Carolina in December right between the holidays will be a great time. Love the content and cannot wait for football. I'm excited to see this team take the field, growing pains at all. Love Appreciate it. the comment, and hopefully you'll get to see him out there. And not only can I not wait for football, Zach, I can't wait for real sports. I'm sorry. Uh, yes. I, I'm, not, I'm not a combat sports person. I'm not a match play golf person, like I said. <laughs> I just – I want real sports. I need, I need baseball, basketball. So I, you know what I'm going to be watching next weekend, Zach? What? The Bundesliga. 
<laughs> Soccer from Germany. I've been watching Korean baseball. I need real sports. <laughs> and hopefully, hopefully those come back soon. <laughs> and speaking of mothers, I hope everyone had a wonderful Mother's Day. Love my mom and so happy for everything she does. And so thank you, mom. And uh, just all the mothers that are listening uh, to us, we appreciate you so much and everything you do. Next one coming in from Pigtosser66. Still wondering why we haven't signed Prince Mukumara at cornerback or one of the left tackles out there that are available. Do you think we are waiting to finalize a new contract for Justin Simmons before we bring anyone else in? Maybe move some of his money out of this year before we sign anyone? Cornerback and tackle are definitely the weak leaks heading into training camp with the histories of Callahan and Juwan James. I'd hate to see our season derailed by those two positions when there are great insurance policies that have been sitting there all offseason waiting to be signed. One more quick one. As you guys went through the schedule, I couldn't help but notice that it seemed we play quite a few games against teams coming off of a Thursday night game or their bye week. Did we get screwed? This is a big deal. A little bit. <laughs> that longer week, yeah, a little bit screwed there, I think. Yeah. Especially the Chiefs coming in. It's not the same as playing them off a bye when Andy Reid is lethal, but it's not good. It's not what you want. Yeah, so good good noticing, Pit. Pick toss or 66. Mace, why aren't they signing a tackle or a corner? Remember, this is the team, and John Elway is the football executive that got Dan Copen, a starting center, at the final cutdown, got Keith Brooking, who started an entire season inside a linebacker in the middle of training camp back in 2012, and also got Evan Mathis, a starting guard, during preseason in 2015. I think the Broncos, by their past experience, feel like they can wait. Yep, and what they're telling you, what John always telling you right now, is that these guys are a dime a dozen. If they don't get Prince, if he goes off the board, if they don't get Jason Peters, if they don't get uh, Beecham, it's, well, they can get a similar guy later. So that's what they're yep. telling you. They're saying the first thing they want to do is take a long look at the young guys they have. Yep, exactly. Exactly. The other Ryan, good morning. Thanks for the great schedule release show. I highly enjoyed it. There are some positives with how the Broncos schedule was arranged, but I have a few bones to pick about it over the first few, over the next few days. The first of which is the Broncos playing at Kansas city again in December and at night, no less. I decide to break down how many times each AFC West teams had to play Kansas city in December or in January, the regular season since 1960. Here are the findings. The Broncos have played in K at Kansas city in December 20 times plus twice in Dallas against their team then known as the Texans since 1960. The Broncos will make it 21 times this season and missed its 22nd time by playing at Kansas City on November 30 in 2014. The Chargers have played at Kansas City in December 16 times plus once in Dallas since 1960. The Chargers did play 10 times at KC in December the past two decades, however. The Raiders have played at Kansas City in December and January 16 times, including the past five seasons. The Raiders have finished the regular season at Kansas City in January three times since White 2K in 2000, 2011, and 2016. The Raiders avoided December or January trip to Arrowhead Stadium in 2020. The Chargers will finish their regular season at Kansas City in January this season. In 2019, each AFC West team played at Kansas City in December. That seems very fortuitous for the team that just won the Super Bowl. The Broncos are 3-17 in December games played in Kansas City. Also 0-2 in games played 
against the Dallas Texans on the road in December. I was surprised to see that the Broncos have played the Chiefs 19 times in, Dece- in Denver in December, however, so I guess things have a way of leveling out, so to speak. My question for today is, what in your minds will it take for the Broncos to be consistently competitive against the Chiefs again to finally get off the schneid against them? Have a great week. My boys! And all soldiers enlisted in the DNV Army. <laughs> Man, great, great comment. A lot, a lot of info there. Um, but kind of as you said at the end, it all plays itself out as the Chiefs have played in Denver too. Yeah, there's a lot of info, but it doesn't say very much because you look at the Chargers and the Raiders 16 times each. It's not that far off 20 times. Right. Force of a right. five and a half decade of. Uh, sample size there it's not something that you're really that i'm really concerned about the the big number though like you mentioned is three and 17 in december games in kansas city what will it take to change this what will it take for the broncos to get better well it takes two things and, and they complement each other it takes a defense that can limit the damage and i think we did see that defense developing in those two games with the chiefs last year Broncos were better in the red zone against the Chiefs than they had been. That's something that plays to their advantage. And now the other part of that is an offense that can take advantage of the windows that the Chiefs give you, an offense that can keep you off balance. The Broncos, they're, they're moving in that direction. It's just a question of getting all the parts to, and pieces to mesh properly, and that's what may be a year away. Yeah, there, there's – no doubt that Kansas City is the toughest place for the Broncos to play. It's where the the fans get the most amped for. And if the Broncos are good, the fans are just going to be even more amped for that. And in December, it just makes it even that much tougher because everything is that much more raised. And so, it makes you said it, you got to slow down Patrick Mahomes and you got to have a quarterback that can keep up with him. Zach, wouldn't you say that the only true road game for the Broncos left in the AFC West is at Kansas City <laughs> yep. because it's a neutral environment in LA and I'm skeptical as to whether it will ever be a true big time home field advantage for the Raiders in Vegas like they had in Oakland with the crowd because I think you're always going to see a decent amount of fans for the visiting team at least once things get back to whatever a new normal is and people are going on the road to watch their teams again yeah no it's i mean they have a a home road game in las vegas and they have one in los angeles and there are a lot of bronco fans in vegas i know and uh, they'll find a way to get in there but what is really going to make the raiders home field advantage or lack thereof problematic for them is the fact that as things get going you know that when for example the Bills play the Raiders or Washington plays the Raiders. You're going to see these fan charters that are flying from the East coast to Las Vegas with fans that are going to fill up section after section. Yep. Yep. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And that's just going to help the Broncos when they play there, but also it's going to help them because the Raiders may never have a true home field advantage. LA Bronco 30 happy schedule release. This season better happen or the fall is going to be the autumn of alcohol. It's already been the springtime of schnapps. <laughs> Speaking of, RK, you replied to my post two bots ago saying, I must be younger for never having had a hangover. Well, 
the 30 in my name is not only for TD and Phil, but also for my age when I became a subscriber. But your answer to why I was still drunk in the morning makes sense. I finished drinking uh, at one and woke up at six for my job. Luckily, I just work on the phone, so I was a little slurred. Keep up the best sports coverage in the land. Well, thanks for chiming in, LA Bronco 30. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. I couldn't do that. I couldn't, I couldn't be turned around five hours later. Oh man, that'd be tough. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I, I, yeah. That's something else. LA. <laughs> yeah. RD Dollywall. We broke the record being on Monday night football for 29 straight years. Do you think the NFL is going to give us this late Monday night slot from now on? Like watching the lions, Cowboys and Redskins on Thanksgiving day. Well, guess the lions and Cowboys did Pat Bowen push for this or did this happen naturally? Does this mean Bronco country is huge and the NFL knows that we will show up to watch this late game and they can sell it as a marquee game. Thanks and take care. I'm not sure it was any of that. I, I don't think it was anything but uh, just a, a nice coincidence. I think you had the Titans that were in the AFC championship game, but didn't really get that prime time love that you would expect for a team that got that far. And I think it was throwing them a little bit of a bone. Right. More so than even anything for the Broncos there. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if if the Broncos are on this every other year or every third year because yeah, they are a very prominent team and it you don't want to feature have the Chargers be the featured team in this game. They can be the second team, but the Broncos are a good team uh to to lean back on because this isn't going to be an East Coast team that you're ever putting on here because no one's going to watch it. Right, there's never been a team from the Eastern Time Zone that played in that late Monday night game. Yep. It's always been Central Mountain Pacific. Yep, yep. So it's it's going to be – Broncos will be in it, but it's not going to be an every year thing. Okay. Mile High Mike, love the schedule release coverage. Keep up the occasional live broadcast. You always have me tuning in. However, I think you guys are a little too optimistic about the coming season, at least by a game or two. I had them following their trend and going 8-8, eight and eight, but ultimately decided to commit to the 9-7 because of a little persuasion on your parts. The seven losses come from at Raiders, at Chiefs, at Steelers, Saints at home, Bills at home, Chiefs at home, at the Patriots. Denver never does well in Foxborough, Brady or no Brady. Got a point there. The Broncos got rocked back in 08 with Matt Castle at quarterback on Monday Night Football. Good point there, Mile High Mike. Yeah. Young raw talent is great, but we're not developed enough to topple the Saints or the Chiefs this year. Both these teams are headed to their respective conference championships, I think. I think we're better than the Raiders. We let one slip. We always do. The Bills will win the East, and they win in Denver. Not just because of Allen, but because the defense comes through for him. The Steelers rally around their quarterback and do it for him. Broncos get the second or third wild card spot and win the wild card round. Lose the divisional round and prepare to make a strong Super Bowl run in 2021, including victories against KC. Which of my takes do you agree, each agree with and disagree with the most? Love you guys. I have spoken Mile High Mike. <laughs> I like that Mile High Mike says that, that we're too high on the Broncos, yet has them being one game less, but winning a playoff game. That's being... <laughs> basically where we had them. I mean, yeah. you guys had the 11-5 and five record. I had the 10-6 and six record. No, we, I... all, we all had 10-6. and six. Oh, you guys did sell on 10-6. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I don't even know if I have them winning a playoff game yet. So Mile High Mike, in fact, you may be more optimistic. And I mean, I, I don't disagree with any of the reasons that you said the Broncos are going to lose one of those games. I just think that they're going to lose a game or two that they're not supposed 
uh, or that they're supposed to win, and they're going to win a game or two that they're not supposed to win. That's why I had them beating the Saints. Is just It's one of those games that they're not supposed to win that they do win. I mean, I have them beating the Saints and losing to Carolina. Right. There you I go. Them, I have them beating the Bucks and losing to the Jets. Yeah, and some of those games just aren't going to make sense, and it's hard to predict right now. But you can pretty much guarantee, especially with a young, talented team, that they're going to win one they shouldn't, and they're going to lose one or two that, or they're going to lose one or two that they should have won. Exactly. Yeah, I, I was thinking back to one of my personal favorite teams, the 1997 Buccaneers. They started off five and zero. They early on in the season they beat a couple. They beat some playoff teams on the road: the Niners, the Vikings, the Lions. The, actually, the, the Dolphins. So they started the season beating four teams that went to the postseason. They, in November, played the dog-ass Bears and lost. In December, they played at the Jets, who finished 9-7, and seven, and I believe they got, they got shut out. I mean, this happens with young teams. They come out and they lay eggs when you don't expect them to. Yeah. And I think – with the Broncos, even though I expect a very promising season, they're going to have some games that you just scratch your temple and say, WTF, man, WTF. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. And final one coming in from LDJ. Sorry to double dip, but I forgot because I thought of this Friday and I'm commenting today. But Drew did an IG live with Baker and they were talking about their welcome to the NFL moment. And Drew casually said, well, I got my bell rung one time, and it was weird because I never really got sacked in college. Then I looked it up, and the most Drew ever got sacked was 25 times his freshman year. Drew, all other three years, never got sacked more than 10 times in a season. Is this offensive line going to be much improved because Drew is good at avoiding pressure, or are the stats not reflective of what's on the film or the pressure rate Drew gets, because I honestly think Drew doesn't take a lot of pressure either, to be honest. The offensive line will look better in terms, of, in, in terms of quarterback hits allowed and sacks allowed because Drew has a better feel for the rush, because he can take off and because he has that mobility. But he'll still get credit for allowing the pressures. Right. If you go by pro football focuses metrics, for example. So, I mean, I don't like to use their ratings that much, but I like to use their data in terms of pressures generated and all that because that that tends to be relatively independent of the quarterback right man ldj though that that that's a great observation i mean to be sacked less than 10 times Mm -hmm. for the final three seasons that's impressive he could escape and he was willing to throw it away from time to time yeah so yeah i'm not going to say that uh, he's not going to help the offensive line he certainly will he helped garrett Bowles tremendously last year uh you just don't want him helping Garrett Bowles to turn into like a $15 million payday per year for Garrett Bowles if Garrett Bowles actually didn't improve and it was only Drew Locke. Exactly. Well, Mace, before we get out of here, I got to tell you guys about Davidson's, which has two locations, one in Centennial and one in Highlands Ranch. These guys are locally owned and have a massive selection, including our favorite Breck Brews. So check out Davidson's to pick up any of the delicious Breck Brews or any wine or liquor that you may need. Guys, their sales floor is back up and running. But of course, they're still doing curbside or delivery. So three great options to get what you're looking for. And if you don't want to go in, or you just want some incredible deals, make sure to download their app, sign up for their loyalty program where you get incredible deals and you can order on your phone for delivery or curbside. So make sure to check them out, Davidson's in Centennial and Highland Ranch and get some delicious Breck brews. 
All right. Well, that'll do it for us today. Thanks for starting your week with us. It really does mean the world, guys. We really appreciate you riding with us through the off-season. And there's no off-season for us. So we'll be back talking to you guys tomorrow. For Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. Have a great start to you.